When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Tevereau, and today I am joined by Keaton DeRocher and Brian Joyner for episode 264 of the show. Well, I wish we were coming to you under better circumstances, and uh, as as much as I love these gentlemen, I am not going to ask them how they are doing today, because I know the answer. We are all doing real bad here in Red Sox Nation. Um... I don't think anybody's doing uh, much worse than me with this situation. Um, as our editor, uh, you know, wrote to me, he's like, hey, you want to do a Xander piece? Because you're the biggest Xander fan at this site. And I was like, uh, yeah, let me just collect my thoughts for a little bit. So I- I've been thinking about this a lot today. 
And, um, oh boy, this Xander situation is just terrible. Um, so there's a couple things going on here just right off the top that I want to talk about. And obviously Xander got blown away by the Padres. 11 years, $280 million. He's going to be signed uh, until he's 41 years old. Uh, I didn't think that was in the realm of possibility for him to get that type of money. I don't think anybody really did. Um, but that's not the issue here at hand. The issue here is that, you know, Heim Bloom and ownership and uh, everybody involved with the Sox, the whole front office, everybody in leadership and ownership positions completely misjudged this whole situation. So there's a couple possibilities here to me. They majorly misread the market, which makes them incompetent at their jobs. You know, either they just really can't read the signs and see what people are getting and look at the trade contract and look at the judge contract and and all this stuff. Or, or and this is what I think is probably the case because I don't assume that they're complete morons, um, is that they really thought that the most that Xander was possibly worth was the six years at 27 uh, million a year, 160 million that they offered him. Um, and you know what? The every every single bit of evidence that has come out today um, in this situation has basically said how wrong that valuation is. You know, Spear and Abraham put out the piece today that said that four other teams made offers of at least two hundred million, and that. Xander Bogarts had quote unquote zero choice um, but to basically turn to the Padres in this situation. I mean, the offers weren't even remotely close. It was nearly double the term here um, and exponentially more money. I get that the AAV was lower, but still, I mean, this is just bad. The fact that the Red Sox let it get to this point with Xander is just so damning for the state of this franchise right now. Um, we were all afraid of this moment coming. It's here and it didn't have to be. If they had just offered Xander six and 160 in the spring, instead of offering him an additional year on the end of his deal at 30 million bucks, which essentially comes out to four years and 90, uh, he would have been willing to. And, you know, a lot of people have been speculating, and Xander's camp even sort of admitted this, that Bogey would have been open to a deal similar to the 6-140 that they gave Story and the 5-151 that Altuve got. The Red Sox clearly didn't want him, or they screwed this up. And either way, this whole front office needs to be cleared out. Heck, I'm really good with the idea of John Henry selling this freaking team at this point. So that's my opening rant, guys. Where are you at? I think I'm with you on the front office piece and the and the John Henry piece, to be honest. Um, I've had enough frustrations. I think I agree with you on on it feels like they never had the intentions to bring him back because they as you pointed out, they could have avoided all of this by making him the offer. And it 
it just it's adds to the embarrassment really as to like how confused they are that they like these negotiations got away from them and that Xander's gone and they're like all shocked that somebody offered him more but they were in a position to basically take all of those other scenarios off the table and they basically just actively refused to do anything about it. And then when it got to that point, all they did was just talk about how much they really wanted him to be here. Like that would sway him. I just don't understand it. And that's just really been kind of consistent all of, with all of these kinds of big contracts with their, or potential big contracts with uh, their franchise cornerstones here over the past few years, basically since they fired Dombrowski. This has just been the direction that they wanted to go. And it's really frustrating because it's not heading towards having like a nice solid product of baseball on the field. Uh, we've had more frustrating seasons than fun seasons since 2018. And it feels like we're just kind of headed for more of those. So not looking forward to that. No, absolutely not. And I, and I think that, um, you know, the the parallels here are getting pretty difficult to ignore between the Mookie situation and the Xander situation. And I think that the Mookie situation um, certainly ser- served as a bit of a red herring for how they wanted to operate as a business. And... Um, you know, I don't know. I I was definitely more forgiving of the Mookie situation than, say, Brian was or, or say, even you were, uh, Keaton, you know, in, in that regard, because I did buy the narrative that this could be a one-off thing where it was a unique situation where, you know, the player really wanted to test the market and maybe didn't want to be here and... You know, all of these different things that, that came together and the financial situation that they were in was relatively difficult considering. But, like, at this point, it just all looks like spin. Um, and the bottom line is they let the best right fielder in team history go for relatively nothing uh, rather than, you know, blowing him out of the water with a deal, making sure he's here taking any short-term suffering that comes with the taxes that they may have to pay, you know, and, and waiting till they're more nimble to kind of deal with that situation. It, it just seems like that is the thing that somebody who has a fortune of $6 billion, like John Henry should do rather than lose a generational talent in Mookie Betts. And, and, you know, we've all been looking to this offseason as the the offseason that we finally get to judge Heim Bloom on because there's been so many different things like, you know, inheriting the team in a weird financial position, trading Mookie Betts, global pandemic, shortened season, lockout, like all this stuff, we've been making excuses. But this was the offseason. And so far, he's just butchered it. And now you let a second generational homegrown talent go mostly because you weren't aggressive enough or fair enough with the player who clearly time and time and time again stated 
that he wanted to be here. And you just lowballed the shit out of the guy. I mean, the, the, the whole thing about, like, you know, he, he would have been open to negotiations, but the Sox never attempted a contractual outreach during the season, according to Spear. I, I just don't understand it. I mean, Brian, what are, what are your thoughts on this whole thing and kind of comparing these two situations between, you know, Mookie and, and Xander? Well, I think that what's been made abundantly clear is that Bloom's approach hasn't changed. Uh, and I think that the thing I would say today or this afternoon, tonight, that I didn't say this morning when I talked to Dan is that I hadn't read the Globe piece that came out with an apparently like stunned Hyam Bloom who was about to get on his red eye back to Boston. And he just couldn't believe it. He just couldn't believe that Bogarts wasn't coming back. Now, of course, you have to take all these things with a grain of salt. Every piece of news you read is coming from an interested party. But Pete Abraham said the, the Sox had the fifth highest offer for Bogarts. Is that true? I don't know. Does it sound true? It certainly does to me. So the idea that this could be astonishing to them to Bloom specifically, just doesn't pass the smell test. Now, yes, part of that is covered up by the fact that, and I think, Jake, as someone who likes Bogarts, I assume you're happy for him with this contract because it's awesome. It's an awesome contract with an awesome team. But for the Red Sox press to turn around and say, well, I can't believe this happened. This, nothing about it um, passes the smell test, including, hold on, let me back up. I don't think right now that cleaning out the front office is the right idea. You know, as much as today sucks, the offseason is still young. The way Bloom has always operated is to get distressed assets whenever they're available, wait as long as possible if he has to, pay as little as possible. My question is, is Bloom's remorse today just totally fake and just covering up the fact that my thing with Mookie was that, yeah, they said, oh, he's going to leave. We offered him a contract, but he's going to leave. But the contract wasn't real. I mean, it wasn't anywhere near what he would sign for. The same thing with Xander. He, you can't come in fifth in the race and then say, oh, God, how did this happen? Either you're in it or you're not. And if Bloom is as smart as his defenders say he is, he would know what the market is and he would know that what they're proposing is just pro forma to say that they did it yeah so i am so go ahead yeah i'm just it's acting it doesn't add up it just doesn't add up it it doesn't add up at all it's acting um what's become extremely clear to me is that bloom doesn't have the chops to do this job in this market because Every single person 
presumably every single person, maybe not whoever's running the Rockies over there, um, you know, has a front office and a number crunching staff that is capable of creating relatively accurate valuations on players based on stats alone. But what truly separates the great general managers and heads of baseball ops from the relatively shitty ones is the ability to know when you have to push the chips in and when you have to overpay. Um, and and clearly he just doesn't have that ability. Like he he gets his valuations, he sticks to those valuations, and that's why you see Bloom doing the things that he does, signing these guys to short-term deals, low money, high upside, as you said, distressed assets, um, you know, places where he thinks he can make value off of this. But like when it comes to signing superstars or players where you look at them and there's really just no warts on that player. Like you look at Bogarts and he's like a plus human, a plus baseball player, extremely durable interviews. Great. Every single club who interviewed him raved about him. Like a guy like that, you can't get a discount on and people overpay for that. And guys like Preller guys like Dombrowski, they understand that. And they understand that like, you know, just tripling the big blind isn't going to get it done. Like sometimes you need to go in over the top, way over the top to get this done. And it's just like, it's mind blowing to me that Bloom doesn't have that instinct and you need that instinct to be able to operate in today's market or else you're going to end up with a team of second tier dudes. And that is not what needs to be the Boston Red Sox. I mean, we have the resources to be so much better than that. The other piece that's really frustrating about this is this entire offseason, they've been telling us about how they're now in a position to spend money and they're going to go spend money and we're going to have this crazy offseason with all these signings and how important Xander was to retain and keep him and they were going to do whatever they needed to do to to retain him. Uh, and it was, seems very clear that they didn't really make, make much of an effort to do that. And we're going to talk about some of the moves that they have made. It hasn't been like a, a stagnant offseason and then all of a sudden Xander's gone. They have made some moves, um, which is good to see the things that they have made. So uh, those and the, you're right, Brian, that is early. So maybe just uh, wiping out the front office is a little dramatic. I'll probably side with you there. But I just I, I'm confused if Xander isn't somebody that you would have spent a lot of money on, I'm confused on who is. My thing with Bloom is that he, rem I mean, you guys are both active fantasy baseball players. One of you is good and one of you is bad. Um, Jake is the good one, just so everybody knows. But when it comes to auctions, Bloom reminds me of the guy at the auction who doesn't go over $25 for any player. And at the end of the draft has $70 left. It's like, well, I didn't see the deal. So I'm just not going to spend the money. I don't know how much of this comes from ownership, but I think at this point it doesn't matter. I'm just...
I kind of lump them I'm all just together. Astonished. I'm just astonished at how flabbergasted they seem to be that this didn't work out when they weren't even close. I know Bloom is the one that's making a lot of these decisions, decisions like right in front of our faces, but I kind of lump it all together. Like the whole front office, Henry ownership and Bloom, I kind of like picture them all working together here because the ownership needs is apparently signing off on everything. And we know um, in the past ownership has had their finger on the pulse of many a GMs here with the Red Sox. So, I find it hard to separate them all, so I feel like while we're we're heaping a lot of this on Bloom, it feels like it's really just, it's everybody in the front office in ownership. It's all it's all connected. It's everybody to me. I keep saying Bloom, but my intention is the ownership and front office. Everybody. I mean, if you take out all of them, if you take out Betts and Bogarts from everything Bloom has done, very consistent, very very. I mean, actually, those two are part of the consistency in that they were so big that they were sort of shuffled out. But they don't want to spend money. I mean, that's just that's just what it comes down to. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think it's and a little bit more nuanced than that, though. I don't think it's just that ownership or Bloom or some combination of the two doesn't want to spend money. I think that ownership handpicked a person who they saw as a true bean counter and somebody who like really goes out and finds values and sticks to those values because that's what he was trained to do uh, when he was with Tampa Bay. And I think that, you know, the biggest thing with ownership, and you mentioned this on this morning's podcast, Brian, was that they are feeling very snake bitten by every long term deal uh, that this ownership group has given out. The David Price contract didn't really work out. Um, the Chris Sale contract didn't work out. Going back, uh, you know, uh, Gonzalez, the the first baseman who was here, Alex Gonzalez, that deal didn't really work out. Or Adrian Gonzalez, I should say. Alex was the shortstop. Uh, Adrian Gonzalez, that deal didn't really work out. I mean, there were just like so many deals. The Carl Crawford trade, that was another, or Carl Crawford deal, that was another one that didn't work out. All of these long-term deals that they have attempted to sign of players from outside the organization for big market-setting money have not worked out. And I think that they are just really, really skeptical of of doing that. And that's just, you know, you can run up a payroll of north of 200 million bucks, but if it's not spent in the correct way or on the right players, it just doesn't matter. And and you can't check out on big contracts just because, you know, your past ones haven't worked out, especially when you have so much information about these guys. That's the thing that kills me is that all of these deals that we're mentioning of guys that didn't work out, are guys from outside of the organization. But Betts, we knew so much about. That was a pretty safe deal. The Bogarts thing is the safest contract you could possibly give out, especially considering what it probably would have taken if they just made a realistic offer to him in the spring. There's no excuse for it. You can't simply blame just ownership or just Bloom. You have to blame everyone involved in this. Yeah, and you 
you bring up a good point right there at the end because that was that was what I was going to say was the huge difference between all those contracts that didn't work out and a potential massive deal here with Bogarts is that you know who Bogarts is. You know he can perform in Boston. You know he can perform in the AL East. You shouldn't be hesitant to give him a long-term deal. All the other guys, you didn't know if they could perform in Boston. You didn't know if they could perform in the AL East, but you were going off of how they performed elsewhere and hoping that they could continue that with your team and your division. You know Xander can do it already. You shouldn't be hesitant to give him that that big long-term deal. And that, that to me, that makes a massive difference in all of those contracts that didn't work out with guys from outside the organization and whatever deal you might potentially give to Bogarts. There's a huge difference. Yeah, exactly right. And like to, to get to Brian's point about distressed assets too, everybody's going to point to the Trevor Story deal as the deal where Bloom actually spent some money, the six-year $140 million contract to Story. But at the time, you know, Story was coming off by far the worst season that he had had to that point. I mean, in many years, he was also dealing with elbow issues um, and, you know, probably couldn't have even played shortstop if they had wanted him to at that point. And I think that Bloom saw this, this guy, Trevor Story, as a potential $200 million player who he had signed for $140 million. And he was also hedging Trevor Story against Xander Bogarts uh, leaving after opting out because I don't think he really believed in Xander's ability to play shortstop long term. So, you know, nobody wanted to say it, even though we all said it. And then everybody was like, Shh, don't say that. He didn't bring in Xander's replacement. But like it was clear at the time he was bringing in Trevor Story to potentially replace Xander and doing it because he was a dis- distressed asset. And, and, and really, every single free agent deal that the John Henry group, the Fenway sports group has signed over a hundred million dollars has not worked out. And I mean, I, that's I mean, scary. I totally, I totally agree with you on the story deal. I think that's, you know, right. As of right now, it is the signature. I mean, it's certainly the money wise, the, the highest value move they made, but I think that they did that because they thought, same way, and we will get to the signing a player from Japan. They think that the upside is worth more than what they paid um, for the player. It's very consistent in 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 that uh, way, and that's not what the Padres did with Xander. They decided that they wanted Xander on their team. So they paid him what would happen. And I've heard uh, Dan said this on our podcast that, and he had read this somewhere that when a team like San Diego or a team that wants to spend money, wants to get the player on your team, they will figure out the dollar amount and then set the years to it rather than, try to sync those things. Yeah. And that, that all makes a lot of sense to me. And that limits the Red Sox with their current, uh, with their current outlook. It absolutely does. And and the Red Sox just should not be worried about the last few years of any deal. 
you know, and, and that's not me saying like, yeah, the Red Sox should have uh, countered and, and beat this 11 280 offer. I'm the biggest Xander fan that I know, and I would not say that they should have done that. But, you know, like at the end of the day, if they did, if they went to like 290, it's not going to sink this franchise. This is all fake money. I I hate I hate the idea that people get so wrapped up into this and I think Dan made a really good point like the on this morning's podcast when he said that, you know, the most money that they've ever paid in the luxury tax was 13 million dollars. These penalties just aren't that extreme. And if you want to know how extreme these penalties are, just look at the freaking Mets who are just spending like drunken sailors and they don't care at all because the penalties just really aren't that harsh. And the Red Sox have recently reset in any short-term discomfort that they would have had from keeping Mookie and signing him and signing Xander would have been offset by the fact that you held your homegrown core together of some of the best players in baseball. It's all bullshit. Any way they want to spin this is just bullshit. Um, I am very done with John Henry and his apathetic approach to this. That's another thing too, like the Mookie deal and the Xander deal, those are ownership calls. Like if Bloom doesn't see things how you see them and you see that there's more value to your franchise in the brand of Mookie and the brand of Xander and them two eventually being on the right field porch, like you say, all right, have a seat, Heim. This is not for you. And you come in and you negotiate that deal because you're worth $6 billion. You own this friggin' franchise and you're the one who makes that call. The fact that he has been so apathetic and so hands-off and whatever, I mean, I'm just done. I'm ready for something new. The $13 million thing with the luxury tax blew my mind. It blew my mind. That he, of all people, has been skirting around this slap-on-the-wrist penalty that we have built our identity our entire identity after building up so much goodwill over almost 20 years and reframing it in a way that we don't pay a $5 million luxury tax penalty, an $8 million luxury tax penalty. It is baffling. And it's baffling in the context of what they have done before now. And that's that people say, oh, you know, you've the owner, you know, they've, they've given you four World Series. How can you criticize them? Because this is so unlike all of that. That's why I can criticize it. Because it's so different from what they did to win it. It's like they stopped doing those things. It's so mystifying and I wouldn't be as worked up if I thought that if I didn't think that the Xander thing was not an absolute total flashing red light for what's going to happen with Devers because it just seems obvious that this is not happening to me. I don't know. You guys might have a different opinion, but what it seems clear to me is that they're going to see this bloom thing through another year. Bloom, if he was being honest when he talked to the Blue Globe reporter and was just blindsided by all this, man, I don't know how I can help you, but 
it wasn't surprising to us. Um, I am just flabbergasted. And Dan and I got into this with the Liverpool money. And like, we can talk about money to the cows come home, but John Henry can afford all of it. And this is a choice he's made to be like this. And the choice that he's made this choice after 20 years of not doing it is the most confounding thing to me. Teams that want good players and want to put a good, good team, good competitive team on the field. Uh, don't care. The Yankees went over for 14 consecutive seasons, 2003 to 2017. How long they just wanted did a good team. As- How long did it take the Astros to sign Jose Abreu? Five seconds. Yeah. Nine seconds. Like they did it immediately because they're like, that guy fucks. Let's Gonna sign that there. guy because we want the best team. Yeah. Here's another crazy thing. Luxury tax gets higher every year. It's not like there's a there's a static limit here. Like it gets higher every year. So that should make it easier to reset or if that's really what they want to do. But that should not make them terrified of going over a certain dollar limit this year because it's going to be completely different next year. It's going to be even higher. Also, like every year for the entire CBA. It's so, it's just peanuts, though. It's it's nothing yes. compared to what they're spending on the entire payroll. Like when you think about it, it's you're only taxed on how much you go over the payroll. So right. even at the highest thresholds, even if you're like 60 to 80 percent, you're essentially just doubling or less than doubling what you are over the highest luxury tax. Like it's just it's just not that harsh of a penalty for billionaires. I'm sorry. It's it's really not. And like why do we bring Haim in, right? To to be creative. No. And you know how is, you be no, creative? No, no. This is exactly why they brought him in. Yeah. And well, I think that he if the Globe article is true in any way, it's that he is now seeing the dark side of it. I mean, it's clear he's a robot. It's clear he just has valuations. He sticks to them. But I don't want to even just give... I don't want to give Heimblum the pass that everybody is willing to give him about like, oh, okay, you know what? This is just a clear new pattern that we're seeing with ownership. No, 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 no. This is not just a clear pattern that we're seeing with ownership. This is definitely a Heim thing. You know, there's there's been so many other questionable things that he has done over the past season like for instance thinking about the Xander thing Xander is gone in free agency we're going to get a pick for Xander between the fourth and fifth round because Heim Bloom decided not to trade JD Martinez and get under the luxury tax even though the Red Sox were in last place when he decided not to do that and they were 500 at the time signed Brazier for two million dollars two million plus which is befuddling to me because he doesn't even project to break with the pen uh, at the beginning of the season. He's certainly not one of their best relievers. Another befuddling thing, uh, not protecting Thad Ward, who ends up going first pick uh, in the Rule 5 draft. I mean, Keaton and I are far from baseball professionals, and we both thought 
hey, it's probably a pretty good idea to protect Thad Ward, one of your best pitching prospects. And he went 1-1. He does not do a good job managing his resources, does not do a good job with his assets. For all the smarts that you know people attribute to him, he's he just doesn't make very smart baseball decisions to me. I am I mean, am I missing something? Like where have you guys seen Heim Bloom do something that's like eye-poppingly smart? I haven't seen it. I mean the Schwarber trade ended the Schwarber trade ended up being that way, but I won't even I will not pretend like he knew that Schwarber was gonna do that. Well, I feel like we gotta give him credit for Waka. I mean, that was that's fine. the other one. That's the other one. But but the whole point of but the whole point of the short contracts is that yes, you get that production, but you don't get it after. That's the whole point. I also got to give him credit for the first half of Hunter Renfro. Then he, so, then he kind of ruined so it. The the hunter the hunter part. None yes. of the Renfro. Yes, part. exactly. Fucking Renfro part. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, you make a very you make very good points. Um I I mean I think it's extremely straightforward that Bloom was brought in to work on the cheap. Period. And nothing has changed. It's just really weird. It's it's really weird because even when it seems like Bloom has the opportunity to do the right thing or to do the thing that makes sense, he chooses a different path. Like, you know, you, you take, for instance, the the offseason that we've had so much hand-wringing hand about the 2021 offseason. You know, you've just kind of made good with everybody around Boston by getting two wins away from the World Series. And then you go out and just have, like, such a befuddlingly quiet, offseason where it's just crystal clear to all of us and i remember all of us all three of us and more bob shelly everybody else talking about this the team looked incomplete to start the year you just waste a season a season where you know you have xander and you know you have devers it just doesn't make sense and he's making these situations worse for himself i mean with this devers situation the impending free agency with devers if he doesn't get a deal done with Devers before the season starts, I mean, what is your confidence level that he's going to be able to outbid others for Devers? My confidence level is zero. Oh, yeah, 100%. I don't think he wants to. I mean, it's just, it's not a matter of, not a matter of could he do it. I just don't think he wants to. It doesn't seem to comport this idea of building a team. I know we're going to talk about signing players from Japan, but just to clarify, that was a hundred percent agreement in your zero percent, not a hundred percent confidence. God no, I know, I, know. Keaton, <laughs> I know. God damn it. I know I don't come on this podcast for a reason. <laughs> hey. No doing that. This is a family show. All right. Well yet well, hopefully hopefully my children are asleep, so it's not a big it's not an extended family show. <laughs> Um, all right, let's turn our attention to Devers, though, because that is the next piece of business here. Well, I guess we can pivot to both Devers and what they do at shortstop now. 
I think there's legitimate questions about what they do at shortstop. Um, it's still very unclear to me whether or not Trevor Story has the arm that is good enough to play at shortstop. I personally don't think he does based on the metrics and where he ranked in terms of arm strength at second base last year. He was in the lower, lower portion of uh, second base arm strength last year. Certainly doesn't seem to have the arm for short. Um, And he was a great defender at second. So I personally don't think the team should mess with him at second base. But there are now reports that the team is making a run at Dansby Swanson. Do you guys think they will get involved with Swanson and or Correa, who is clearly the much better player of the two? Yeah, I think they're, they should. They're not think, getting involved with Correa. But if yeah, they didn't I mean, go after if they didn't do Bogarts, they're not doing Correa. Swanson makes a ton of sense. Yeah, given the context. Yeah, agree with that. And I think uh, what you kind of laid out there is kind of where my head's at as well. Keeping Story at second. Um, we'll get to the layout of the outfield, but. Uh, Verdugo Hernandez and Yoshida in the outfield, I think makes a lot of sense. So that still leaves that hole at shortstop. And right now there are still options, uh, free agent options um, to turn to at shortstop. And I think Dansby Swanson makes a lot of sense. Dansby seems like Trevor story 2.0 for me. In, in, in a good in way just... or a bad way. But he's coming off the best I wish he's I... ever had. So it's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. um, But in the sense that he is the tier B option on the free agent market. So that we sign him hoping that he performs like a tier A free agent. I mean, I'll be the vocal minority here. I want nothing to fucking do with Dansby Swanson. <laughs> I I think that what Dansby Swanson, if he ends up signing with the Red Sox, ends up getting from the Red Sox, is the contract that Xander would have accepted from the Red Sox had you offered it to him in spring training. And I will never be able to stop thinking about that because Dansby Swanson is not close to the caliber of baseball player leader, hitter, whatever. Sure. Is he a good defender? Yeah. But so is Jose Iglesias, who you could go pay a couple million bucks to and not commit long-term and bridge yourself don't, to Marcelo Mayer. Don't count it out, baby. <laughs> don't count that hey, out. <laughs> I'm not counting it out. And in fact, you know what? Sign me up. I'd rather I'd rather have Iglesias for two years as a bridge to Mayer than I would commit, you know, eight years or whatever to Dansby Swanson to come here and post a 105 WRC plus while playing good defense. Sorry, not interested in that. If you're going to pay money, go get Correa, blow him out of the water with a short-term high AAV deal. Um, I don't know, man. Like, this is just, this has got me in such a sour mood. I've never been in such a bad mood on a podcast. Like, none of these baseball decisions make any fucking sense. And it's all just ballless, like directionless, no risk, blech. Like it's just, it's nothing. It's nothing at all. 
Bloom is... He, he doesn't have the appetite for this. He has no killer instinct whatsoever. Uh, and you know what? Maybe his legs have been cut out by ownership to some degree. But whatever, man. Don't take the job in that regard. Like, if, if your philosophy is incompatible, which I don't believe it is. I think his philosophy is exactly lockstep with this. And I think that's the reason why he went out and overpaid for Masataka Yoshida. Like, no one in baseball, and we have two articles from Kylie McDaniel and Keith Law talking about how other clubs valued this guy from Japan. And Bloom put him into the computer algorithm. It seems like he would be worth $90 million and then gave him $90 million. Where other teams are like, well, I'm kind of skeptical. How is he going to adapt to the major leagues? And Bloom's just like... My computer program says that he's going to be worth $90 million and just gives him $90 million. Dude, if you had given that extra $40 million to Xander Bogarts, he'd still be here right now. He wouldn't have waited and gotten that offer from the Padres. And you still sign this guy for what everybody else was going to sign him for, which is like 50 to $60 million bucks. I don't understand. The, this method of doing business is just crazy. It's like collecting all the B-level assets that you possibly can and hoping that 10 Bs turns into an A. Doesn't make Keaton, sense. Keaton, I don't know about you, but I was just I'm I'm privileged to have been here to hear that live. Oh yeah. I mean this is basically like how I was feeling and reacting after Mookie Betts and Jake was like, bro, calm down. I'm glad that it's, it's come back and now Jake is the one. It feels good, <laughs> but but I but like I don't disagree with him. I, I it's just it's great content and um, boy, here's the thing, boy, I don't know. I just don't know what's going on with the Sox right now. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But I got something crazy for you. Just popped in my head. How about this for a solution? Uh, Kike Hernandez stays in the outfield. Swing Trevor Story over to short. And then we move Jaron Duran back to second where he's comfortable. Oh, God, man. You're going to make me vomit my drink on this show. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm way no. too angry to be talking about Jaron Duran as an everyday player. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. So, but let's let's talk about Devers here. The only way, the only way that Bloom gets out of this situation, saving any sort of face and seeming like he has any semblance of a plan, is if he does get a deal done with Correa and then he also extends Devers before the season. That is the only possible way that Bloom can possibly spin this to the rest of us and say, look, better baseball team. That is not happening. But am I wrong? Like, isn't that the only way he can possibly say that this is a better team? I don't know if I it's mean, the only way, I don't, but, but, it, but you are right that given the promises he has made and the time frame he's working on, and I frankly think he is actually general managing for his job this offseason. It's very tough. It's very difficult. Um, the, the smallest amount of credit I will give him to this point is that he hasn't done the extremely common self-interested thing of general managers of when you're up against the wall, just throwing money at people. But sometimes it works out. I wish uh, he had that instinct. Self-preservation <laughs> just I'd doesn't kick do in. Yeah, Darwinism does not exist with Heim Bloom. He he just found out his flight or flight mechanism is just to sit there and get killed. He's on the Galapagos. <laughs> he's on the Galapagos Island that there has no natural predator, so he has not evolved at all. No, not at all. He's just like whatever, man. I just don't have that instinct. Just get rid of me. I mean, at, at this point, like, what are we doing? And I even said nice things about him earlier in the week. I was like, oh, I kind of like this bullpen now. I mean, Jansen is good. Jansen's real good. We were talking about him on the podcast last time. I mean, I I guess we should get to the the other guys at some point, but I'm just not ready to move on. I I don't know how. Like, let me just ask you this. Before we start talking about the nice things, that Yoshida might be a good player and that Chris Martin and Kenley Jansen are actually good. If Heim Bloom doesn't get an extension done with Devers this offseason, can he keep his job? I think he'll get a raise. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they want to extend Devers. I just think. I think the writing is on the wall. They have showed us who they are. They've shown us. It's just it's clear. Betts or, was one Betts was one thing, and then it happened again. The situation with the player was different. The player had said different things. The player was a different player. And then it ended out ended up playing out the same way with the Sox offering a pittance contract and Multiple teams coming over the top. That didn't happen with bets because he didn't reach free agency. But point is same. Sox weren't in the ballpark. I think I want to amend Brian's statement. I think they do want to extend Devers, but for 60% of what he'll 
get actually get paid. Yeah, from and I want to date Florence Pugh, but I don't want to spend the <laughs> money that take that it takes to do it. Like it's just like it doesn't matter. It's Wait, just... there's a dollar amount on dating Florence Pugh. What is it? If so, I, I need will to find know. It. I need to know. You're married. I'm divorced. <laughs> Leave her to me. Come on. You're gonna have to start drinking tea. <laughs> you know uh... what, Keaton? Keaton. Her flow, I would do it. <laughs> You'll sacrifice. <laughs> yes. Tea is delicious. No, I know I don't come in this podcast. Fucking tea propaganda. Hey, 342 ch- chests are floating in the Boston Harbor. I did actually, before my podcast with Dan this afternoon, be like, I have to get to Keaton. I literally said, I have to get some tea. Fuck Keaton, but I have to get it because I sound like. I swallowed gravel in the best of times. I'm drinking wine now, so like, you know. Mm, what just... are we drinking over there? We got a Poggia Lupi Toscana. Oh, uh, it's a Toscana. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I'm drinking bourbon and ginger ale. I'm drinking a Diet Coke. Yeah, you are. Hell yeah. Anyway, I feel like this isn't hitting me as hard because I came to terms with Bogarts leaving in the spring and I just never held any hope of him coming back. I mean, I got you beat. I I came to terms with it in um, January of 2020. (laughs) I love, though, how... I mean, Dan talked about it on uh, the pod that you recorded, but he was, I mean, seconds away from recording... Uh, Xander Spack's celebration pod and then he woke up to some real difficult news <laughs> yeah I was in the same boat as that I was I was fully uh, ready to do the late night jump on the Xander's back pod and uh, you know what I was also totally willing to uh, start eating some crow about my opinions about Heim Bloom but unfortunately those have just calcified and everybody uh, who is pro Bloom and wants to make all of these, uh, you know, excuses about the ways that his genius works, uh, those people are suddenly extremely quiet on Twitter today. Have you guys noticed that? They're just all no, those people. Not extremely quiet. They're um, missing the point and just pointing out that the Red Sox did the right thing and not matching the Padres offer uh, and, yes. and, and not like just forgetting the fact that they had a whole period of time where they could have avoided this situation. They're blocking that from their memory and just applauding them for not matching the Padres offer. Yeah. You know what? When, when you have an opportunity to insult your, uh, homegrown perfect player, uh, with an offer of four years and 90 million, you got to do it every time, uh, rather than just, you know, giving him the offer that you were willing to give him in the end at the beginning and, uh, you know, getting that player locked up for the foreseeable future. Anytime you have the opportunity to do that, you have to, cause it just shows your genius as a negotiator. Jake Devereaux, four years, $90 million to Jaron Duran confirmed. <laughs> yes, there we go. As a second baseman. Oh, yeah. 
Hey, by the way, Mookie's going to play second base this upcoming season. Isn't that funny? I love him. He's a good baseball player. Hey, you know what's fun? He had more war this year than Verdugo has had in his entire tenure with the Red Sox. Mm, great. So how about the players who are here? All right. Let's talk about Masataka Yoshida. Posted by the Oryx Buffaloes. Signed a five-year, $90 million deal with the Red Sox. Reported by Matt Doherty at the Globe. This is the article that I'm getting the information from. They paid a $15 million posting fee. A little bit over that. He's a career 327, 421, 539 hitter. And in 2022, he led the NPB with a 1,007 OPS in an 80 walks to 41 strikeout rate in 508 plate appearances. Two-time batting champ, 5'8", 176 pounds. Not a very good defender. Profiles for left field. Uh Big questions about how his power will translate and whether or not he can handle Major League Velocity. He is coming off a Game 7 Japan League title with the Oryx Buffalo. And fun fact that I got from this article was that Ichiro uh, last played for Oryx and led them to their last title in 1996. He also won a gold medal at the Tokyo Olympics this year. And this is the largest ever contract for a Japanese position player and the largest ever contract given out by the Red Sox to a Japanese player, barely nudging out Daisuke at $103.1 million. That's what I know about Yoshida. So my take on this is that in a vacuum, I love it. And this is the typical blue move. I think I've said this on the OTM podcast that it would not surprise me if Boom signed someone from Japan because this is just the ceiling of value is priced into every major league baseball contract not necessarily into every contract when you sign someone from NPB it is more exciting to me than it is um, distressing. And I think that he's going to be a good addition to the team. Expecting him to be Ichiro is not going to make the team a contender. And not having Xander is going to hurt quite a bit, even with his addition. However, in a vacuum, even if, look, they paid a lot of money. As Dan pointed out, the most the Red Sox have ever paid in luxury tax is $13 million. And they may have paid thirty million dollars more than the next person, more than the next team, to get this guy on their squad. But I think all of our points have been today that at some point these million-dollar figures are fake, 
And in this case, if it was a blind bidding that we went way over on for a player that's good, this is a case where I do not blame Bloom. And I say, you know what? If you think he's that good, go for it. Go for it. Yes, but this is not a vacuum. And this is money that Bloom will... That people will say that Bloom spent wisely, even if he outbid the second place team or whatever on this by like $40 million. And if you add $40 million to that Xander deal and you present it to him two days earlier in the winter meetings, maybe you have both of these guys. That's my problem with it. It's nothing against Yoshida. I like the player. We needed a leadoff hitter. He seems great. I might love this guy when he comes over here. But I think you paid for the tippity-top of his market value, and I think that that impacted, to some degree, what Bloom thought he could offer to Xander. Or maybe it didn't. Maybe he was just like, fuck Xander, I'm not doing this. Yeah, I don't think that it did. I think that they very easily could have and should have ended up with both. Bogarts and Yoshida on the roster. Um, but even without the vacuum, I'm a fan. I like it. And it is, you know, <clears throat> we did just talk about needing to see Bloom spend money. And at times, if you want to get your guy, um, you're going to need to overpay at some point. And uh, it is easier to do that in a blind bidding process than a, you know, an active auction for a free agent piece. So I don't mind that they went over. I really like the fit. So I, th- I feel really good about it. I mean, I know we're about to talk about some really potentially negative uh, reviews of the player, but I feel like that always kind of tends to happen um, when guys sign from uh, Japan um, obviously the numbers in Japan look really, really good. We know there's going to be some kind of translation for that coming over to the United States. And we, uh, the immediate reaction is usually, uh, how much of a step back it is for, or, or potentially going to be for teams. I think, um, I asked, uh, our prospects guru, uh, Ross Jansen over at the TDG. Um, so usually has awesome translations for guys and eyes on uh, international folks as well. What he thinks of a line here for Yoshida. And he's like, he gave me 280, 360, 430. Pretty good bat, great eye, a little less overall production uh, than Suzuki. Obviously, we're not going to get the steals. Uh, which is essentially like 2018 Andrew Benintendi without the steals. Uh, which was a pretty good baseball player. There's a five. Well, I mean, obviously the steals played into it, but that was a five war player. Um, so if that's what we're looking at consistent, consistently from him, I feel pretty good about that. And there's a few things we needed. We needed an outfielder. We got an outfielder with this. We needed some, we needed a leadoff hitter because that the top of the order had really been a mess for the past couple of years. His profile fits that really well. So we should have, table setter at the top of the lineup who will just consistently get on base 
all the time, whether it's through walks or the contact that he's making. He's going to get on base. He's going to score a ton of runs. He's going to do a lot of great things to the top of the lineup that has really kind of been struggling uh, and help the guys that have been struggling at the top fit in somewhere else in the lineup, lengthen the lineup. So I love that a lot. Um, I think his defense will be fine and left because of the wall, which tends to, if guys are smart and they know how to use it, uh, help their defense play up a bit. So I really like the fit, and I don't mind that he, he overspends, and I, I don't think that it affected what their offer was to Bogarts because I think that uh, they definitely thought they could get both. And uh, to your point, Jake, if they needed another $40 million to and you know two previous days to uh, get that deal done, they should have done that anyway, regardless of whatever deal they were about to sign here with uh, Bushida. And so it feels like a, a separate issue. But uh, I think this was a really good move. I bloom it filled a few holes and i think we got um obviously the the ceiling here uh from ross was like 300 hitter 20 homer power uh consistently so that i mean is even better so i think the baseline that we have here for projections obviously we don't really know fully how it's going to translate that stuff excites me and i think his he fits really well on the defensive side and the offensive side in this lineup i think it's a, a nice nice little move here yeah, man, I I uh, I don't want this to cloud uh, Yoshida at all because I actually am really excited about him as a baseball player. Um, I do think that you know they they probably did go in at the top, but I think you're absolutely right, Keaton. That like this isn't an excuse for them not to have gone in with a eight year, two hundred million dollar offer to Xander off the bat. I mean. That $160 million figure that they offered Xander was on the low, low end of projections in total money as what Xander was expected to get. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it impacted it. But, um, you know, do you guys think that this move with Yoshida could potentially mean that they upped their standing in the uh, Kodai Senga sweepstakes because Yoshida and Senga were both teammates uh, on that Tokyo gold medal team played in some WBCs together. Um, I wonder if, you know, this gives the Red Sox any sort of leg up. Uh, my, my knee jerk thought is that no one for the Red Sox. No, no, we did one. We're good. Oh, <laughs> uh. We could use a pitcher, though. Yeah, definitely. I hope that it does, and but I, I think I'm leaning more towards Brian, and that uh, I would kind of be surprised if they signed uh, two Japanese players in the same offseason. I would be surprised if they sign another major player this offseason. It doesn't matter where they're from. I feel like. After a today, trade. you see them making a trade, or do you think this is it now? This is the, this is who they're going with. It's not what they're going with. Obviously, they're going to make look. The Bloom doctrine is to sign anyone and everyone who's at less than hundred percent price, and that can happen December, 
January, May, sorry, February, January, December, November, December. January. How deep are we in that bottle right now? I'm just going back and forth with the months. But the okay. point being, yes, no, I, I started doing it as a bit once I fucked up for real. <laughs> but um, the point being that I don't think there's a plan. I think the, outside of when you see something that costs less than you think it should cost, you buy it. With stars, that's very difficult to do because there's, the stars have a, as stars do, gravitational pull, things coming around them. You cannot escape the gravity of how much they're worth, etc., etc. Brian Johannes there, Kepler over here. Yeah, that's right. I just think that there are shitty moves left to be made for the Red Sox, but big moves, I don't see it. So JBJ is coming back again? Is what you're saying? Don't besmirch his name. Did you say Chevy Chase? JBJ? <laughs> oh. You are pretty deep in that bottle. Huh? <laughs> he's, he's deep in the bottle, man. He's definitely deep in the bottle. JBJ and Chevy Chase, when you say it fast, sounds the same. Um, did I ever tell you guys the story about my cameo from JBJ? Maybe, but I'm so deep in the bottle, I can't remember. Yeah, so my wife paid for a cameo for me from JBJ, and she like mentioned this podcast on there, and JBJ definitely forgot to talk about it on the cameo but that's not the good story she also tried to get me one with joe castiglione last year and he was supposed to do it from the ballpark and like all this other stuff and he gave me the shittiest cameo i've ever seen in my life from like a crappy hotel room in new york city when it was raining outside and he was like <laughs> well jake you are definitely a person who i'm doing a cameo for now Joe Castiglione signing off. And it was just like the worst cameo I've ever seen in my life. So, um, yeah, don't pay for a Joe Castig uh, cameo. It will not be worth your time. I strongly but, disagree. Pay, pay what you need to. Because Joe <laughs> Castiglione has done the, the Lord's work in fucking Jake over. <laughs> that is worth your money, folks. Ah, and so is the produce at Shaw's. That was good. And Star Markets. That was good. <laughs> that's that that's was right. Good. All right, let's talk about uh, what else is worth our money here. Um, the Red Sox actually have built a nice little bullpen, despite screwing up the rest of the lineup. But um, Kenley Jansen signed a two-year $32 million deal, $16 million per. He's 35 years old. Um, one of the best closers in all of baseball, uh, or has been, doesn't walk a lot of guys, has an elite cutter. Uh, Keaton, we talked a lot about this on the podcast with me, you, and Bob last week. We thought that this would be a perfect target. I even said I need Kenley Jansen after hearing about this. And now we have Kenley Jansen. How are you feeling about having Kenley at the back of the bullpen? And we really haven't had a closer since, like, Kimbrel. Well, that's what I was going to say. I feel so good about knowing who the closer is and not having to think about it. 
Ah, man, this bullpen is just so much better when people know their roles and then can just perform to them. And then also having a very good closer. I feel great about it. Uh, This bullpen has been very bad for a long time. And it's been really hard to do a podcast recapping every series when every series the conversation is exactly the same. Hey, the bullpen sucks a whole lot. Is there anything they can do? And the answer is no. <laughs> so I'm really glad that, you know, this upcoming season, we're going to have a whole lot more positive bullpen talk, and maybe it won't be as depressing. Yep. And they also signed the lead singer of Coldplay, Chris Martin. Um, Brian, two years, 17 and a half million bucks. 6'8", 36-year-old righty. Um, had a 34-1 to K to walk rate last year. What are your thoughts on Mr. Martin? Is 34 to 1 K to walk rate good? It is extremely good. It's not yeah. as good as 34 to 0. But. You know, I like it. Um, I like the signing. The, the only disappointing part to me is that our new OTM podcast mates have some people who like Coldplay unironically, and it is very difficult for me to process. Because they're terrible and no one <laughs> at all. Like, you can like individual songs, but you can't be a stan. You can't be like, oh, I did, did you see Munich in 2014? <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. It's not real. That's not real. You can't do that. So other than that, for the Red Sox, I mean, look, for the Red Sox, it's great. Because it has nothing to do with that. But I'm I've moved on to more immediate concerns yeah i i can't say that i uh i knew I, but, anyone who's gone to a cold play concert even yeah fitzy mopena has done it yeah um, I, I gotta say that i i think that they will spend on the bullpen and that's good and i like that well that's that that's what it comes down to this would have been uh-huh. great last year you know when you <laughs> yeah. had like a lineup to go along with it. Well, I don't know if it would have helped that much last year because it would have helped a shit ton last year. Yeah, it really would have. Okay, they led the league in blown saves. Would it? Or they helped? were in the top three. Would it have and... helped enough? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, now I know why I'm my guest on this podcast. Uh, all right. Well, anything else before we get on out of here, guys? We're we're hitting an hour and ten minutes, and my uh, my rage can only be sustained by the small amount of bourbon that I drank. The good news is it's only December eighth. Still a lot of off season to go. Oh wait, we didn't even get to any of the listener questions yet. Oh shoot. Uh, you know what keaton i was just thinking it's been a long december and there's no reason to believe that this one will be better than the last jesus christ jay good job (laughs) yeah that was that was great all right let's get to our listener questions here the first one comes from shelly first rate verse straight formerly of otm and she says is gene segura a free agent target right now also sunday afternoon games with xander don and soto are going to be so great Shelly, yes, they are, but they're also going to be incredibly sad for me. Uh, 
because the only thing that I love nearly as much as Xander is Soto, and the only announcer I love more than any other announcer is Don. So, yeah, great. Thanks. But Gene Segura, guys, what do we think about him as a second base target? Is he cheap? He's cheap, and he has upside. There you go. Then yes, <laughs> sure. I mean, I'm, the, the, I'm dead serious. Like that's that's the type of guy. That, that's the criteria. Is uh, he cheap? Is the criteria? I I'm I have added criteria after is he cheap? If is he cheap is the end of it, and then the rest of it you can just fill. It. Is he good? Who cares? Is he cheap? Yes, maybe. He's good, but he can't play shortstop at this point. So you have to be pretty confident in the ability of Story to play short. Keaton, I mean, you have uh, oh, hold said on, your hold skepticism. On, hold on, Jake. I, I need to cut you and Keaton off here. And Dan, too. Story is playing short. I know people say, oh, the, the, the arm is going to... Story old... is going to be the shortstop. That's going to happen. Did he it's get some PRP injections in that little noodle arm? Or, I mean, it what's... doesn't matter. It's going to happen. It's the entire reason that they signed him. Now that Xander is gone, I have been conspiracy-pilled to believe that Trevor Story is just going to be the shortstop. And all the, oh, he can't do it. He did it right up until he came to the Red Sox, but now he can't do it because we have a shortstop who isn't great at shortstop here. I don't believe it. Trevor Story is going to be the shortstop. The only thing I hate more than Brian when he's when he's wrong is when Brian's right, Keaton. (laughs) I mean, I love Brian when he's wrong. So, yeah. So you love me most of the time, and I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But I have been far less skeptical of uh, his ability to play shortstop than a lot of other people. I think he's going to be fine playing shortstop. I just kind of, I mean, I figured that was going to be um, with how, um, you know, we actually, we didn't even kind of discuss this angle of it, but um, I wonder how much the Red Sox willingness to really kind of put a competitive offer on Bogarts was his unwillingness to move off of the position. Uh, it seemed like they didn't want him there at shortstop and wanted him to go somewhere else. And uh, Trevor story coming into last season, obviously he didn't really play shortstop last year um, was only behind Javier Baez and uh, Carlos Correa in terms of defensive run saved at shortstop since well, it was like 2017 or something like that, or 2016. Um, really, really, really good defensively. Um, was a lot better than Xander Bogarts for a very long period of time. Obviously, Bogarts did really well last year. Um, and I don't think that they were banking on that continuing. And I think they wanted him to move off the position. So I'm curious maybe how much that had an effect on their desire to go after him and actually... <laughs> put a serious offer on the table. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Brian. I think their intention all along was to have Trevor Story be a shortstop. And so I, I kind of feel like that's feels like where we're going. I think their I, entire, their, their, their entire plan, if nothing changed, 
dramatically from what they thought would happen and didn't was that what is now taking place would happen and that Xander would leave and maybe they underplayed the emotional damage that that would do. They didn't but, underplay it. They just didn't give a shit. It, I, I will give I will give Hyam Loom this. And I understand how the media can manipulate things, but it did seem in the Globe article that he seemed sad. He wasn't. That's fair. However, what I'm going to say is that the second they signed, the one contract they signed any amount of actual money until Yoshida was story and his natural position is shortstop. This is not rocket science to understand that like, oh, you built in an insurance policy for Xander and now they're cashing in the policy. Yep. It was clear when he signed the deal. Um, yeah. I think you're right. All right. Anyway, to answer Shelly's question, it's an option. I don't know if it makes him a key target. I feel like I'd rather go in another direction, but for a one-year deal, sure. Segura's going to get more than one year. Oh, yeah, sure. then I'm fine with him going somewhere else. It doesn't just—it just doesn't excite me, you know. Rather no. go somewhere else. Give me Jose Iglesias. I want him back. Boy, Mac- that doesn't excite me either. No, nothing excites me. But I'm dead inside now, so there we go. Uh, Matt Corey has our next question. He says, "My question is: There a universe where the Red Sox could be better off without Xander on the books for the next decade?" Uh, my clear answer is no. Keaton, where are you at? Uh, I mean, decade? That's, we're saying that then, like, the Red Sox would have done the Padres deal? Maybe? I I don't know. I mean, yeah, so here here's the, here's the universe. Like, full blow-up rebuild. Everyone's gone rebuild from the bottom up uh, and they do an Astros. It just hopefully doesn't take what it took them like 10 years to 11 years. Just hopefully it doesn't take that long. Well, that would fall, I guess, outside the, the window. So yeah, hopefully that would be the universe. They completely blow it up, bottom up rebuild, and it just doesn't take 10 years. That That would be the universe. Doesn't seem likely though. Do you have anything to say to our friend Matt Corey, Brian? Yeah, shut the fuck up, Matt Corey. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, Matt, thank you for the question, and it's lovely that you gave us a question, and we hope you are a regular listener still, and we hope you are well. Um, Taylor Case has our next statement. He says, hey, guys, no questions, just condolences. Um, he is a Padres fan, so you know what? Yeah. Just rubbing it in. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, House of Kuzu has our next three questions. He says, the Sox face the Padres at San Diego this season. Are you excited to see Brazier face Soto and Machado, Tatis, and Bogarts in the bottom of the seventh with the game tied? Nope. Uh, I want to die. 
Yeah, want that's that's gross. Hopefully, Brazier has gotten whatever hush money he needs from the ownership group and is uh, free to go at that point. But um, yeah, prob- probably he will do- be doing that. Uh, next Bra- question- Brazier, need- Brazier needs to collect his money from uh, Turning Point USA or uh, any number of right-wing uh organizations that like to pay people to uh say dumb shit yeah Um, in less than a month he'll have his his holiday to celebrate so yes yeah it's coming up yeah it's coming up um what was the first word that came out of your mouth when you saw the bogarts notification on your phone this is an interesting one uh brian what was your first word dog because in the i saw it right when i woke up and i have a brand new dog um and in the morning she licks my face and jumps all over me as if she is astonished that i have survived another day so my my answer is dog but i don't think that that's going to be common do you have sleep apnea do you stop breathing at night is that why she's astonished you know what jake i do i do (laughs) i do have sleep apnea i but i wear a a a breathing strip every night even though even though I'm no longer married and not sleeping next to my uh, wife at the time, I still wear it every night because uh, I don't want to die when I sleep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Keaton, what was your first word? God damn it. That's, That's two words. Two words, yep. Well, the way I write it, it's one. Yeah, well, we can't. Ex- we can't deal with the fact that or I just run it together and it's good damn it Um, mine was not a word uh, because I saw this at 5.05 in the morning this morning when I woke up I couldn't believe Jake when I logged on to Twitter yeah and you had responded you had because I logged on at like (laughs) 6.15 and it was like Jake it was like 90 minutes like so much earlier than me, but in the morning. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, Jake I'm, was on it. I'm an early riser. Um, and I you just said, bums. I hadn't even gone to bed yet. And I saw it. I saw it. And then I immediately went over to the OTM account and uh, tweeted out the, uh, the Kaiser Soze gift. Uh, and mm. just like that, whew, he's gone. <laughs> you, uh, you gotta have a uh, some some kids in your life, Keaton. That'll put you to bed real fast. I got two cats. That that is not the same. Brian, tell him. No cats are bad, and kids are good. <laughs> Facts. Uh, Eric Cross, my my good buddy from Fantrax HQ, has our next question, and he says, "Why is Bloom a thief of joy?" I don't know, Eric Cross. Why aren't my the prospects I have in our Dynasty League ranked higher? Why don't you tell me? I think it might just be that Bloom is bad at his job. Just frankly bad at his job. Have Have you, either of you, considered this possibility that he is just bad at this? You know, Jake, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you give you some credit here. I actually haven't thought about that. But that theory doesn't 
run up against a lot of resistance. Right? It really doesn't. There's I've, I've stress tested it. It seems to 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 hold water. I think that last year's AOCS was the worst thing that happened to him. Agreed. Because I knew when that happened, and I think you did, Mm -hmm. they were not going... I mean, they could have. They could have. But one time out of 20, they were going to beat the Astros. So, 5%. And they didn't. And it gave a false sense of security. You got anything? Bloom is not stupid. Bloom is, he's not a stupid guy. He's not stupid. He's not stupid. Like, let's just be clear. He's not stupid. But you don't have to be stupid to be bad at your job. You can be very smart and your, your handicaps can be overthinking things. Not being able to go all in in situations where you need to. Sometimes you need a little bit of dumb to be good at this stuff. I mean, someone who's been fired this very year, I agree with you. There you go. I think that Bloom is a thief of joy because we have not yet been able to create AI capable of feeling accurate human emotion. So... I think we we just were like a software update away and then Bloom will be good. Yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. Gotta update that Bloom. My thing is that Bloom is like just go to a bar and have a beer. Like you're good looking enough. Just chill out. (laughs) Just talk to it. There's lots of colleges in Boston. Just talk to a (laughs) co-ed. Are Just... you advocating for Bloom to step out on his <laughs> wife is, and child? Was, this is going in like he a hell of a direction. And, does he have a wife and children? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bloom is a married man. Well, it doesn't seem to be working out for us. So, you know, <laughs> if you have to mix it up, mix it up. All right. Well, uh, our next question comes from Patty OD, and he says, I honestly can't tell what direction the team is. If we weren't re-signing X, why didn't we trade him and get something back? Fantastic question. It seems like they should have done that. Uh, Why were we over the cap at the deadline last year so we don't get as good a compensation? What's the long-term plan? I don't get it. I don't get it either, Patty OD. And this is something that Keaton and I were extremely vocal about at the deadline. And crickets. I mean, Keaton... Am, am I misremembering that? Or we, were we, nope. like, one of the only ones talking about that? That, like, why on earth didn't they dip under the luxury tax? It made no sense whatsoever. We knew this team was flawed. It was going to be an incredible uphill battle for them to get into the playoffs. And if they did, we knew they weren't going to make any noise. None of it made any sense. Yep, 100%. 100%. And the, the reason that... Bloom offered when asked was that they didn't feel that they got good enough value to pull the trigger on a trade for these guys. But the reality was like Jaden Martinez is like 36 and in a massive slump had been for like a couple months at the time. Um, and on an expiring contract, well, like what value were you expecting to get 
out of that. Yeah. Really, the only value tickets fine. Right. The only value that you could have gotten was moving him off the roster. The salary relief was value enough. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yep. So I just don't understand. Nope. Or, or the other piece to that was then after the deadline, them having the whole powwow about this team can still make the playoffs, even though we traded Christian Vasquez and didn't really add anything. Yeah, that was fun. Xander liked that a lot. Yep. All right, our next one comes from Brandon Youngblood, and he says, speculate on all the theories of replacing X, Tatis, Adamas, Wander. Oh, come on. Wander isn't happening. Dansby, Correa, Iglesias, Eek. He puts Eek next to Iglesias, but you know what? That's my guy. Free agent rumors. Uh, Story, Kike, in-house replacements. Uh, All right, let's go roundtable here. Who is the shortstop or second baseman? What is the tandem? For this team next season, Brian. I mean, I am po- possibly on an island here, which is fitting uh, to think that story at shortstop, and then we'll figure it out second base. So you're not going to give me a name. You're copping out. It's second base, Dwight. It's, it's that's. That's par for the course for the no position. no shift now, Brian. You have to start thinking of it as a premium defensive position again. You know what? I had forgotten about the no shift until I was reading something earlier today. But I am saying story at shortstop. And look, if the if the Red Sox want to get a second baseman, let's just get. Someone who is great at second base, even if they're dead, let's get Joe Morgan. He just he's <laughs> he's dead, but he can play. Oh God. Um You, you invited have... me on this podcast. I'm I just did not. You, I you did invited not. yourself, let's be clear. <laughs> all right, all right, hold on, hold on. Keaton's right. Well, <laughs> yeah. Keaton, Keaton do you have anything less wine adult to say? Uh, oh, I is. do, but it's not as good, and it's probably worse. Trevor oh. Story at short, Jeter Downs at second. Oh, oh God, God, no. Dude. Give no. me Joe Morgan, please. <laughs> please. Um, I think that they're going to trade Jeter Downs. I truly, I actually truly believe this. Um, well, they'll get less than they could have gotten for Thad Ward, who they gave away That's for fine, free. but I just think that... <laughs> I just think that Downs is not a viable player, and anything they can get for him will look better going forward and will be better going forward for the team than keeping him on the roster. I I, I don't think Downs will be here for very long. However, if he is and he turns into a Hall of Famer, he can still go fuck himself because Jeter sucks. Well, I think that they'll do the thing that I don't want them to do and overpay for Dansby and leave Story at second base. So I'm very prepared to hate that. 
the next question comes from Lightning Will, and he says, is it just me, or is there really no plan? No, Will, there is no plan. That is, uh, That has been the tenor of this podcast. The plan is to save those monies. And the last one here is from Lurchimonious, or Lurchiminous, or whatever. AL East is winnable. No, it's not. How do they fix the rotation? Short-term veterans or a trade for someone with control? Which one makes the most sense? Uh, is this person delusional, saying that the AL East is winnable for this Red Sox team? No. Not it could happen. Hopeful. It could happen. No, I don't. I don't. I do not share your optimism. But okay. <laughs> yeah. if if they sign the exact right players. If they go f- like four for four on signing one-year players, I mean, yeah, they still need a starter. Obviously, they still need a middle infielder, and they need a DH. Also, Chris Sale could just be good. You know, that's a thing that happens. He certainly could be. I'm smiling in a way that if you were in the room with me, you would realize I don't believe it can happen. Mm. Well, I believe that it could. My gosh, Keaton, why would you do that to me? Yeah, this will be a last place team in the AL East next year. Mark it down. You think that the the O's? Wow. Who, the o, the O's have some dogs, like at no no cap. As, no, the O's are on the rise, my friend, and uh, those new ballpark dimensions are, are going to help them out. So, yeah, I'll take the O's over the Sox right now. I'd, I'd 100% swap rosters with the O's right now. God no damn. No question. Jake, 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 you're, you're very mad. I've turned heel today. Yeah. Full. Is this going to be the first time since we have, I think, been doing this podcast that you're going to predict a worse record for the Red Sox than I will? Yes. Dang. Yeah. Mark it down. So the thing about the short-term vet option is I don't know if there's like a good option out there. That's the thing. Because especially with where – see, (laughs) you need a starter – but it needs to be a good starter. Like, it needs to be a one or a two. And I don't think you're going to get, like, a short-term vet for that kind of status. Um, so I think you got to go either a long-term free agent or trade for somebody with control. And somebody that I mentioned on the last podcast, uh, and the podcast before, I think, too, uh, Pablo Lopez, is now on the market. Um, I mentioned the Red Sox should go after him. Get him from the Marlins. And then um, today, the Minnesota Twins have engaged the Marlins in talks for Pablo Lopez. Love to see the Red Sox go join the fray there. We all That'd know Bloom is willing to pony up assets to get guys that he wants. So yeah, it's all very likely. He does like bullpen guys. Though. Fair. In fairness. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry to throw so much cold water on you, Keaton. I feel bad being the negative Nancy, but I am. Uh, How's it I feel? Because usually sh- that's where I'm. At. I want to throw <laughs> the cold water on Keaton. That's why I'm here. 
Yeah, sorry, I took your job. You did. You did. You took my job. Yep. All right. Well, I I am ending this thing. It's an hour and thirty five in, and I have drank way too much liquid to stay on this podcast. So, uh, if everybody has made it through our second hour and a half podcast in a row, uh, props to you. Uh, we do hope you enjoyed it. Um, you know, Angry Jake doesn't pop up that often, but when he does, he comes with a vengeance. Uh, so I'm I'm glad you get to experience that or not or whatever. Um, follow Keaton on Twitter at the Spoken Keats. Follow Brian Joiner on Twitter at, at what Brian? Is it just Brian Joiner? It's Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DevJake if you want some more anger about Xander. And follow the site at OverTheMonster. Check out our other podcasts on the Over the Monster Podcast Network. This is the best one, The Red Seat. The second best one is Over the Monster. The third best one is Pod on Lansdowne. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea. Um, I actually haven't fully listened to the other one. But they're all great shows. Check them all out. And uh, you can get them all on the same feed. Appreciate it, guys. We'll be with you again next week.